On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're catching up with Hercule Poirot in the ABC murders, getting quite stalkery with Netflix's You, heralding the return of our favourite East End detective with the fifth series of Lufa, and getting a sneak peek at the New Year's Doctor Who special, which TV's Boyd Hilton has been lucky enough to get a look at. Exciting stuff. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even the Pilot TV podcast, which, like Santa, forces its way into your home without invitation, scoffs your mince pies, drinks your brandy, and then fucks off, leaving a load of unwanted and slightly confusing junk in his wake. I'm James Dyer, your festive host, and as befits my role as an avuncular, bearded distributor of cheer and goodwill, I am accompanied by my usual pair of little helpers. My first helper is an elf who spent the past week filling unsuspecting stockings with Ken Loach DVDs, true crime documentaries and handwritten diatribes against the patriarchy. It's Terry White. Hello, James Dyer. James Dyer, it's your birthday today. Technically it isn't because today is Christmas Eve because today is when the podcast goes out. However, you're right. As we record this, it is in fact my birthday. It is. I am 23 years old. You are 43 years old. Uh, We're cutting that bit out. Um... (laughs) (laughs) No, Keep it in. Um, no, no, we, in. no, we are legitimately 43, cutting that bit out. 43. We are legitimately James, cutting you're that a youngster compared to me. He doesn't like women to know how old he is. Okay. <laughs> We're um, definitely cutting that bit out. <laughs> Shocking. Right, so it is your birthday today, James Dyer. So, boy, D. Yeah. Do you think we should sing James? Yeah, definitely. Happy yeah. And Boyd's not here even here yet because I haven't introduced him. Happy, happy birthday oh, to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear James Dyer. Oh, God. Happy birthday to you. Oh, my Woo. God. Wow. Happy Apologies birthday. to anyone who's had to sit through that. Happy that birthday and Merry Christmas. That was very special. Thank you. You're um, welcome. I should say probably to our readers that, that Terry came in, let's be honest, five minutes late, and uh, but she was clutching with her a bag from Mega City Comics. I would have paid good money to have seen her shopping in there. But she bought me for my birthday a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina trade paperback graphic novel. Which is perfect because that is one of the news stories we're yeah. covering. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Which I'm really excited about. So we'll be talking about Not the fact that. that that's your birthday present. Yeah. The fact that, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I should have given you a birthday present. You um, should. Okay. I'll yeah, I paid for that with that. You can have, cash. do you know what? Here you go. Christmas can radio I, time. Can Whoa. I have one of your celebrity friends? You can have a celebrity which friend. One which one, one can I have? Which Who one can I have? Dermot. Take Dermot. Yeah, No, I don't think I want Dermot. No offence, Dermot. Charming. I might take Jamie Dornan. Yeah, okay. Jamie, uh, I'll yeah. take Jamie. Yeah. Right, Jamie's mine. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. I mean... Deal. I mean, do you want the donor? I do. I do. Yeah. Do you think he's very good value? I think he's pretty good value. Imagine yeah. strolling along in life with the Dornan. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, also, be... he, t- he took Boyd's sort of passive-aggressive insults yeah, you know, on the chin. Yeah, he took it very well. So I think, yeah. I think he's probably yeah. a top chap. <laughs> You've heard him at length by this point, but joining Terry, my second elfin assistant, who I caught red-handed stuffing one child's stocking with, and this is completely true, a couple of presents that were suspiciously close in shape and size to Russell Tovey and Jamie Dornan. So uh, (laughs) the thing I have to tell you, Boyd, is that a celebrity friend is for life, not just for Christmas. You're right. I wonder what you're going to say there. And and ironically, ironically, not only was I pre-chastising you for giving friends away, but moments before that, you literally tried to give one away. So That's true, yeah. I I think that's that's shocking behaviour. I'm not going to give them away. Fair enough. They're for life. Now, before we get into it properly this week, 
I thought we would f- switch the formula up a tiny little bit. Oh, uh, which uh, you haven't told us about. Which I have, which, <laughs> as is I mean, my just want, which, as is my one, I just haven't mentioned to you. So what I thought we'd do is, instead of going through what we've been watching, because frankly, I imagine what we've all been watching is at length the things we'll be reviewing later and not had much oh, time yeah. for anything else. But, but, but I thought we'd take some, some festive reader questions. Oh, or, listen, or listener questions. Okay. You can't really read a podcast. No. no. Um, right, I'm going to find some. One of our lovely listeners mentioned, I think maybe about a week ago, that they'd watched Springsteen on Broadway. Yes. Yes. And I too have watched Springsteen on Broadway, all two and a half hours of it. Terry, are you up to date with it yet? No. Well, it's about time you did because it is effing glorious. I don't so know is this it's... your pitch for doing it on... For everybody listening who is wondering why Boyd and I are at odds on this. Yeah. Uh, Pilot is obviously meant to be cinematic television. We do factual programmes, but it tends to be documentaries with kind of narrative structures. Boyd has been banging on about Springsteen. And then, oh, I wish I could remember who it was who tweeted us and said... Yeah, I was trying um, to find it. I just watched it and it was exceptional. And I hope you're talking about it. Well, we are talking about it. I'm talking about it. It is exceptional. It isn't, to be fair, it is an anomaly because essentially it's a two and a half hour film of his stage show. It's not in any way a made a TV thing. There's you know, no of, story. There's no right? story. No, I mean it's obviously he's telling an incredible story of his life, really, throughout the. It's not. It's it's as much speaking as it is. In fact, it's more him talking, by the way, than it is him singing. And he's. But it is an incredible thing to see. He is now one of my fa- favorite, most favoriteest people in the world. I, I mean, mean he has been. He's he's been bubbling under. He's the James boss for a while, but he is. Funny you say that. He is the boss. Yeah, <laughs> and he's proved himself to be the boss. <laughs> James, that did not deserve a laugh like that. <laughs> it's all I know about. Bruce. Springsteen. I don't think well, I can name any of his songs, well, but I, I do know he's the boss. Watch Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix and you'll know every single thing you need to know. Yeah, have you had time now, James, to find your listeners' questions? Yes, yes, I have. I have some listeners' questions. Right, you ready? Yeah. Ready? Ready? Richard Massey, at Richard, and let's be honest, a bunch of numbers after his name, says, once you've taken down all the Christmas decorations on New Year's Day, just because that's the thing that I do, yeah. uh, what will be the first thing you watch to kickstart 2019? That is a good question. What do you think, guys? Well, for me, even, I mean, we're getting onto it later, but it will be I'll watch Doctor Who again, definitely. Yeah, so it's basically Live all the good stuff, o'clock. like yeah. Luther and Doctor Who, that airs on New Year's yeah. Day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And in fact, they've kind of moved now. Christmas Day itself is one of the most boring Christmas days, I have to say, in TV Fuck history. Christmas, Fuck Christmas. Fuck Christmas Day. <gasps> it's bullshit. <gasps> Boy, Call the Midwife. I mean, I respect Call the Midwife deeply, but I want something else from it. And Torval and Dean and all that. That is it for your Christmas. When is um, Strictly... Christmas That's Christmas Day. On. Are you up for that? Are you up for I'm a bit up for of that. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. But I mean, the, all the meaty good stuff is New Year's Day yeah. onwards. So yeah. definitely, who Luther, etc. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff to watch in, on New Year's Day. What am I going to watch though? Is there any other stuff? I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to watch over Christmas. Like I have a list of stuff. I want to watch over Christmas. Do you mean stuff that's actually on over Christmas or stuff that you've been waiting to watch? No, it's it's stuff that I, in my head, have mentally scheduled to watch over Christmas, <laughs> right, which yeah. has nothing to do with what's actually The, the James Dyer schedule, Christmas yeah, schedule. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, The Shield, Sean oh, okay. Rice's Shield, which I love to death, has come out on Blu-ray in the US. It's not got a UK release, so I'm oh, going to okay. have to get it imported. But it's out on it. So I want to do a widescreen HD rewatch of the whole of The Shield. Sure. I want to start that over Christmas, but obviously I need to wait for the Blu-ray to arrive, and I'm sure it will come with a hefty customs bill, but there you go. Uh, and I also am going to start watching, uh, and I have started watching, Battlestar Galactica again, because uh, Trisha Helfer, a.k.a. number six, has started the Battlestar Galacticast. <laughs> 
Oh, this is the thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good. A, so she, uh, along, with, along with uh, uh, one Terry's. of the TV journalists in the States, is doing a, a sort of watch-along yeah, podcast, yeah, nice. much in the same vein as the West Wing Weekly, yep. which is another perennial favourite yep. of mine. So now I have to re-watch Battlestar as I'm re-watching the West Wing Weekly, Did just you, to keep um, up with these podcasts. Do you say perennial favourite? I mean... For me, it is almost certainly a perennium favourite, but it's also perennial. <laughs> uh, perennial, wow. perennial favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was like extra special. That's extra special, extra special. Um, I'm actually starting the Sopranos again in the new year from the beginning because my boyfriend has never seen a single Whoa. episode, which was almost the moment of our parting. <laughs> wow. Um, but once I'd recovered, I offered to bring him into the, you know. Fold. The, the good place yes. and by showing him Sopranos from the beginning and actually I haven't watched it all the way from the beginning since the first time around mm. I watched it I've cherry picked episodes mm-hmm. but Same. I haven't gone all the way through I'm quite excited by that no, I have be, that's interesting you know, I've, stunned, I've cherry picked I haven't watched the whole thing all the way through since it went out and, and if you, you'll finish that just in time for the film hopefully <laughs> yeah many sense yeah. Newark <laughs> Um, I see. I really, uh, because of that, because of the film, I was thinking about this. But in the end, decided I need to rewatch Deadwood because obviously they're shooting the oh, Deadwood yeah. movie at the moment. <laughs> you, well, yeah. no, the reason I do is I never finished the last season of Deadwood. Yeah. I, don't I don't know th- why. I don't think I did either. I think it was. I don't know quite was what it put me off. Because it went rubbish. <laughs> no, it never went rubbish. <laughs> it didn't go rubbish. It got a bit. Yeah, and boring. I think I'd stopped watching and never caught up with it. And then when it essentially got cancelled, I thought, oh, I won't bother, yeah, and I same, never watched the rest same. of it. Yeah. Which is a shame. The only thing I would say about rewatching The Sopranos is, like, the the memory of The Sopranos is tainted for me because the last season was so very boring, and uh, as I recall, a lot of it was spent watching a fat gangster on the lam making Johnny cakes in as a short order chef, and and I was like, I don't understand why I'm watching a show about pancakes. This is bizarre. And that, that's that's for now. That I think that's a slightly Sopranos. unfair summary yeah, of the last Sopranos. With Johnny Cakes, and I can't I can't be dealing with it. Um, yeah. No, I think that's unfair. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Yeah, Maybe you clearly do. do. Need to yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, JMO in Sydney. Uh, Sydney. Well, he's right. JMO in Sydney, and yet his handle is at JMO Somerset. So I'm assuming he's on holiday. Okay. Uh, or she, indeed. Either way. Uh, which new show in future production are the pod most excited about? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. A new show or a new series Wait. of an existing show? Yeah. Just Either one, whichever you like. Uh, well, Killing Eve 2, which I think we're going to... Well, not Killing Eve 2. Killing Eve Season 2, which I think we're going to um, talk about in news later because the first look was revealed this week, um, which is looking about maybe four months away, something like that. Mm. I am beside myself I'm already. Sure and Big Little Lies Season 2. We've seen bits and bobs, obviously, with Meryl, um, who is going to be Nicole Kidman's mother, right? Yeah. Not, not at me. No, the mother of... the, oh, mo- the mother of... Um, Scarsgard yeah, of the yeah, dead exactly, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the mother um, of the dead one. The dead one. I feel Spoiler like, alert. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, oops. But also, I could be talking about anybody, yes, kind of. Yes. Um, uh, and actually, it'll been a really long gap, won't it, be- between Pretty the long, first yeah. season ending. Yeah. Although, I'm about 18 month gap is standard this, these days for a big American show. Like Stranger <laughs> Things, it will be oh, 18 yeah. months. It's, it's quite, it's quite it's, you know, I think it takes a long time to get these bloody brilliant things together, which is why Doctor Who fans being annoyed that they're going to have to wait till 20. 20 January 2020 but, for the next season. should calm down but that was standard yeah standard. standard was Sherlock wasn't it it was every two yeah, years Sherlock, right, wasn't it it took right, forever exactly. yeah I'm most looking forward to and I, I, it's very predictable if you've listened to the last week's podcast I keep banging on about it the OA part 2 yes is I just I'm so I, honestly 
everything about it is beyond exciting. Have you, I, in fact, I had heard that you've been locking people in your basement <laughs> in preparation for this. I've got Jason Isaacs yeah. locked in my basement. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's I'm like, taking my revenge on him. It's yeah. OA cosplay. Hello, Jason Isaacs in my basement. <laughs> Yeah. Your celebrity friend he literally probably does live in your basement, doesn't I mean, he? He's got his own room. It's possible. Can you tell us anything without breaking any of the uh, legally binding yeah. agreements yeah. you're currently in the grip of? Is there anything you can tell us that will get us a bit excited? I think all I can say is that, um, first of all, there's there's things like so the directors are really exciting, which I can't which I haven't been. And nothing's been announced yet, of, of, as far as I can make out officially with this show. But there's really, one of the directors in particular who's, who's directed some of the episodes is fucking exciting. Um, and I think it's going to be, I think this is, I think I've said this in print, that it's going to be partly the old, the first story of the first season. So a lot of the characters will be back, even though I don't think that's been officially first, plus a whole new thing. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a mix of two, at least two narratives um and how they relate i've no idea can you yeah. boyd as someone how many times have you seen it um four or five can you do <laughs> the movements oh to the... take you to another dimension <laughs> I, I can't i could do the movements but then that would kind of explode the studio right, do it now okay. do it now the power of the movements is too much <laughs> the interpretive dance movements you can't cope with it i it, it would we'd all spontaneously combust basically. i tried to explain this show to my mum to try and get her to watch it i said yeah yeah they get abducted yeah yeah oh what are they doing well they do this kind of weird interpretative dance why oh to go to another dimension she just looked at me flatly like paddington bear and i was like yeah okay it's not for you yeah, yeah. that's fine that's fine. Okay, right, we have another one. Well, you didn't say what you're most looking forward to. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't. What am I most looking forward to that's coming? I mean, we're, we're going to get onto this later. After having watched the fifth series of <laughs> Luther, what I really want is the sixth series of Luther. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to have to wait for that. <laughs> uh, so I'm a bit like, come on, Luther. Sort it out. I, just, I need more Luther in my life yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, what else do I want? I'm very excited for Mayans MC to get a UK air date who what Mayans MC the spiritual successor to Sons of Anarchy oh yes um, yes that's weird yeah, that's not, but yeah. mind you Sons of Anarchy hardly was hardly shown it, that's right. it? it was like shown on Channel, Channel 5 5 star yeah. I think in the end I mean, it was like 5 USA which 5 is star. mental yeah, it's it an ridiculous. incredible show and it was very hard yeah. to find uh, if you haven't seen that absolutely go and dig out the DVDs or Blu-rays whatever it is track it down because it's amazing uh, but yeah Mayans I, I'm excited to see arrive on these shores and it hasn't yet yeah. and it should yeah um, Beyond that, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stuff. A lot of great stuff coming. Very excited. But really nothing, nothing can measure up to the best show of next year, which I'm already saying is show of the year next year. And I'm bestowing on it five of my own personal <laughs> warp cores. And it is, of oh, course, Star Trek. Picard. Oh, Picard. Oh, my Picard. God. Is this <laughs> as, like... as it hasn't been called. Can as I it's just not say, officially titled. Banshee has given way to Banshee. just, to the, like, Picard. Yeah. This is the Picard segment. Minutes. It's not the Banshee yeah. section. This is the Picard section. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. E my god. Uh, a- a- Angus, Shen- Angus Henderson. Uh, top ten celebrity name drops by TV's Boyd Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work See? On top ten. See, getting trolled. Future. You're getting trolled. Um, okay, here's something. This one for you, Boyd. Yeah. Uh, Mark Garforth says, with a second season of Hill House confirmed, where the hell can they go with it? I can't be doing with prequels, or they will inevitably undo the excellent work of the first season however I would love to be proved wrong Boyd what are they going to do what are they going to do next Mm -hmm. this is a total guess I think he's going to have a whole new haunting story I I feel a bit anthology so I think effectively a completely new story about ghosts haunting people 
Mm. I don't think it have any, if hardly any connection to the family. Because he said something like, when the first season finished and he, there was a little bit of a gap and he did an interview somewhere, and he said, I, I love those characters, I'm going to leave those characters, I don't feel like I want to take those characters on. That was a pretty big... Yeah. I mean, obviously people go back on these things all the time and change their minds, but I feel he want, it'll be a, just a completely different story. New people, new story. Yeah. New ghosts, new yeah. haunting. Yeah. New bent net lady. Yeah. I mean, it might not be on her, in, in her whole house. I mean, you'd Haunting hope not. of some other house. The haunting of, like, Ramsey Street. Yeah. 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 I'd watch that. Uh, this one for Terry. Chris Rushworth says, will there be another issue of the magazine released? What do you say, Terry? Oh, my God, there will. So there will be another issue of the magazine out with Empire again, and it will be the April issue, which is on sale the 28th of February. And we are very, very excited about we are. it. We are indeed. Yeah. So there you go. That's the answer to your question. Skeletom says, that's not his real name. <laughs> Here's a question. Will we see the return of Daredevil et al. on another streaming service? I think the answer so. to that is perhaps but no time soon. My understanding of the way this works is that there is uh, there's a gardening leave period. Uh, Daredevil having me fired from Netflix now is on gardening leave for, I believe, a minimum of two years. Uh, but unless Netflix says we don't care, do we? Well, I like. mean, which, why wouldn't? Why would they? Which they would could they? do. But my understanding of the contract is there is a period whereby, right. like Marvel, can't do anything with that character, okay. and presumably with any of the other characters. So, where does your understanding come from? Is this a classic James Dyer? I am going to state this as actual fact when it is based upon nothing but my own yeah. deductions. Yeah, when most journalists say I understand, they have a credible source. Yeah. Close to. See, see what you're saying. Your source is in your brain. I am in many ways the Hercule Poirot <laughs> of pilot TV. Yeah. And I have deduced from my close yeah. understanding of the criminal mind that is. No, I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Okay. Uh, but, but, so, but there's been lots of talk about this and, and why it happened and that it was, you know, it's thought to have been Netflix's decision, not Disney's decision. So it's not necessarily so much about Disney's streaming program as it is about Netflix having outgrown these shows. Uh, so you're right, they might, you know, wave the gardening leaf. I think they will. Uh, but who knows? But but equally, if anyone's expecting the, you know, Charlie Cox, you know, that kind of dark, gritty Marvel show to be turning up on Disney service, you, it's never going to happen because it, it would not mm. fit with what they're doing. It would not fit with their demographic. Big words. Um, so I don't think that's very likely. So, at the, at, you know, the very most you'd get slightly sort of sanitized versions of them. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because the MCU itself is, you know, a sanitized version of that world and it's awesome. So, you know, good stuff. Yeah. Right. Let's see if we can find one more. Adam Snape says, Did any returning shows let you down in 2018? For me, season one of Legion was perfect, and I just couldn't finish season two. Well, I just couldn't finish Legion one, but there you go. That's a very. I didn't finish season two of Legion either. I watched the first two, and I felt, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't pulling me in. Yeah, I did actually. Do you know what? That's not true. I did go back and finish. It took me a while. I went back. <laughs> You've forgotten. I did, I'd forgotten. I literally that memorable. Go, no, I remember what happened in the last oh, episode. Now okay. I did go back and watch it again, and I even Is watched it worth the it? first episode of season two. I did. Oh, okay. I've, but I'd forgotten that as well. Right. Uh, no, I did not. I, I did um, not. Watched episode one of Ozark season two and didn't carry on with that. Yeah. And um, not through, I didn't feel it was in, inherently terrible or anything. It, it's perfectly good. But again, it just didn't, I ha- you know, it didn't immediately think, all right, I've got to carry on watching it. Yeah. Um, so that was a slight disappointment, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, well, I talked about this on Review of the Year pod, but Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. Obviously, God, it wasn't yeah. the yeah, second the big... season, but that was yeah. the big one for me that I kind of. Um, dusted my hands off dusted mm. my hands off can I just say though 
S3U has been oh, stellar God. once more. <laughs> it never and, lets you down. And believe me, in January, we're getting season 20, baby. Is 20 seasons of pure goodness. <laughs> well, badness, actually. Wow. It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, there have been a few. Like, Good Place was a, was a disappointment, but then it rallied. So it had its ups and oh, downs. Yeah, Certainly yeah. the weakest season they've had so far, but I believe it has salvaged yeah, itself. The season hasn't finished yet, so you never know. It might end terribly, but I have been enjoying the most recent ones of that. Uh, but it does get to a point, like sometimes the show will reach a certain point where you've loved it, absolutely loved it, and then it you realise that it isn't the show that you fell in love with, or they run out of ideas, or it's the same idea over and over, and you you do go a bit lukewarm mm. on it. It is uh, it's unfortunately one of the perils of long form storytelling. Keeping them fresh why, is why very is difficult. That, James? Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm yeah. full of wisdom. I am. But I used, I think I used to think that if it let me down on on a new season, then I would never ever go back. And I talked again on the Re- Review the Year podcast about falling back in love with the affair. Mm. And that actually made me wonder yeah. if there were other shows that I should revisit that I'd kind of gone, fuck you, you let me down. I'm never darkening your door or letting you darken mine This is you in anymore. a nutshell, isn't it? You're not forgiving at all. No. <laughs> You're like, right, you've had a shit episode, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so, and But it actually made me, and I thought, oh, I wonder. So one of the things I am going to do over Christmas is make a little list of shows that I forsook. And check it twice. I may, that I may want to uh, revisit. Oh, good. Terry Forsakes. There Some you new go. Strand. Oh, it's a new oh regular. <laughs> <laughs> a new regular is born. Yeah. It's not replacing the Banshee segment. Well, I don't know. It could, it could run in parallel. Yeah, it might. It might at that. Right. Shall we get on to what's been happening in yes. the world of televisual news? Can I talk about something which is probably slightly not surprising, but isn't the normal fodder that we talk about? At pilot. If you mention The Apprentice again, I'm t- shutting <laughs> off the podcast. It's definitely not. I want to talk about Eliza Dushku oh, um, yeah. and the piece she wrote this week for the Boston Globe. Oh, I haven't read this. What is it? Yes. So um, she wrote a piece of the Boston Globe and the headline was, um, it's an op-ed by her and the, sorry, I'm just bringing it up now. And the headline said, so um, I worked at CBS. I didn't want to be sexually harassed. I was fired. So it was announced last week that there was a settlement between Eliza Dushku and CBS. And as part of, I think, the New York Times reporting, Michael Weatherly, who played Dr. Jason Bull, um, in, and she was, this was on her time on Bull, the TV show, um, he and CBS were quoted in this article. Now, Eliza Dushku basically says she didn't comment when approached by the New York Times because part of the settlement agreement was nobody speaks out about it. Mm. However, both CBS and he talked about this and and kind of hinted at reasons why she may have left and that she basically kind of said she was difficult. She has written this fire op-ed for the Boston Globe which is essentially saying you know she was taken on to ball um Michael Weatherly wasn't happy about it from the get-go and essentially as a power play made her life pretty unbearable by behaving incredibly unprofessionally she describes it as relentless sexual harassment and also she said it's not just a he said she said there's many many of these incidents on tape so that a lot of this was recorded and so she wrote this piece about I feel compelled to have my story heard because my voice has been silenced and actually they haven't honoured this agreement and it makes for a really difficult reading actually because she describes instances where he joked 
openly about her body, about sex, about rape, about threesomes, like clearly creating what she claims is a very toxic working environment. And when she complained, she was essentially fired, Mm. um, which is, and they then reached the settlement. And she writes in some detail, you know, he would kind of stare at her. He would make all these um, comments about her body, her ravishing beauty. He would groan sexually when she was around. Um, He humiliated her at one point in front of the entire cast and crew. Um, and it was it's actually a really upsetting piece and it's kind of astonishing to me that this kind of behaviour still, you know, yeah. it's a year since um, Me Too and Time's Up and we talk a lot these days about how things are so different and have changed really fast. Um, but the fact that, you know, he, he's been quite brazen about it, so CBS have been quite bullish about it. Um, I think she's incredibly brave for writing this piece. You hear about a lot of actresses both in film and TV, who have made a fuss. You know, I'm doing air quotes for all of you who can't see me, which is all of you. Um, And she, you could tell she has a fear that she'll be another one whose kind of career disappears because she's been seen as difficult and people don't want to work with her and, and the whisper kind of network that goes around. And this piece has been shared everywhere on social media. And it's and I think it's good for people to realise that it isn't a one it's not a fight that's one actresses um on set still have certain issues that not all men are kind of dealing with um the changes that have happened in terms of um the way that sets are run, in terms of the tone that's been set on there, that that is still probably in some places um an issue. Did you read it, Boyd? Yeah, I read I did, and I think it was incredible and I also think it's part of a whole bigger um, phenomenon with CBS isn't it obviously there's the whole yeah. Les Moonves who, who ran CBS for years and years and years has, ha- has has been ousted and that's a whole scenario but I think it's also really interesting that the the um, the type of network it was the type yeah. of programs they were making it all it all kind of became this huge big kind of old school macho culture creatively in real life with all these these female victims, this horrendous environment. It was just a toxic, toxic mask. Like CBS is now mm. being seen as the, the the network of toxic masculinity. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary the extent to it, the breadth of it. And you kind of look at it now and you think, yeah, kind of the kind of shows they've been making for years and years have been of a of a of a sort. And it's 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 intriguing. I mean, there'll be books written about it, and it's going to be an incredible kind of time to look back on. I think. Wow. Yeah. That is sad and depressing. So let's go on to something slightly lighter, <laughs> uh, which, of course, was the casting announcement from Netflix of their Dark Crystal prequel series, mm-hmm. which is off the fucking chain. It's absolutely insane. I'm a massive fan of uh, the Dark Crystal. You? Uh, because it's it's dark and demented. Uh, but uh, so this is the 1982 film and the prequel film, uh, The Crystal of Truth, stars... Taron Egerton, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, and uh, Natalie Emanuel are the three Gelfling heroes, uh, Rian, Brie, and Deet. Uh, there are some other Gelflings in there. Katrina Balfe from Outlander is in there, Helena Bonham Carter, Natalie Dormer, Eddie Izzard, Theo James, Gugu Mabatha Raw's in it, Mark Strong, Alicia Vikander, <gasps> Toby Jones, Shazid Latif from Star Trek Discovery. Woohoo! Mm. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's some, the, the, the evil Skeksis have got, uh, you've got Mark Hamill, Jason Isaacs, Keegan-Michael Key, Simon Pegg, Andy Samberg, <gasps> 
Ralph Innocent. I mean, there are just loads of them. Like, it's an incredible cast, which actually, I mean, it's a little bit intimidating, if I'm honest with you. It is incredible. Did you say it's a the, the, it's not a film, it's a series? It's, it's full yeah, series. Oh, sorry, did I call it a film? Did I call it a film? I just want to make I mean, crystal clear. Of course, if it was Pardon. a film, yeah. we would not be discussing it on the Pilot TV podcast. Yeah, no, right. I have my Empire head on clearly. No, this is, this is a TV series, but it is a prequel series. Yes. A yes. prequel series. Yes, it is. Uh, which takes place before, you know, all the demented shit in the first one. Uh, Fizz Gig, sadly, I don't think will be appearing, which I think is a great loss to everyone. But I'm really excited about this. And it's puppetry. You know, they look amazing. Uh, there is a few stills of the key gelflings. And, I mean, it, 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 it gave me shivers, mainly because I'm still traumatised from, uh, from the film. Yeah. Like I just, I have, I have this enduring memory from childhood of the Gelfling being sta- strapped into a chair and forced to stare at a crystal, which drains its juice into a cup for the scale. I mean, it's really twisted. It stuff. is a really weird film, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, luckily Channel Five shows it every other week, so well, I mean, there's that. With it. Yeah, yeah. That, there's yeah. that. I no, mean, it's unbelievable cast this year. Yeah, right. here's the thing, right? It's like unbelievable. I was looking at all the names like, oh, and yet my soul just remains flat. I'm oh. like, I can't be bothered. Nothing else about it like gets wow. me going. Wow! I know, I know, and I'm and I'm completely alone in this because the office became a frothing, like buzzing, humming mire of excitement when this came out, and I was just like, "You oh, didn't care. You have no soul." I mean, well, you, quite, but I watched the scoring for the Dark Crystal in 1982. Oh God! I knew How? This was coming. See, because I myself, Boyd, have celebrity friends. So you are, are you related to the Hensons? Yeah, no, oh. my 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 cousin's a gelfling. <laughs> my cousin's a girlfriend. That's your autobiography yeah. title. Uh, no, I did. Uh, my mum used to work in a recording studio where oh, they did the scoring, and so I, nice. I remember sitting in the booth watching the orchestra score it while wow. the thing played on the monitor. Wow. So yeah, okay. it's good, good shit. It was like a live gig with you know skexies. It's great stuff. Um, speaking of old things from our distant youth, um, <laughs> there's a new Peanut show coming to <laughs> Apple Streaming, whatever the hell that's going to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a new Peanuts thing. It's coming to Apple. Uh, it's going to include series specials, shorts. There will be Snoopy. There will be Charlie Brown. Presumably the rest of the Peanuts gang. Uh, you know, and presumably flute-based experimental jazz playing in the background as mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from what I gather, the first project is an original short series that will have Snoopy as an astronaut, um, and that's all I really know. So it's bringing Peanuts to the masses once again via the medium of Apple. Fully in favour of it. I love Peanuts. Mm. Have you been to the Peanuts exhibition at the uh, Somerset House in that London? No, it's no, I haven't. fantastic. Yeah, it's wow. a glorious celebration of everything that was brilliant, and it was a f- absolutely wonderful. Force for good, peanuts. You know, it was part of it. Campaigned against for the civil rights. It was it was an incredible thing. True story. I once went to a fancy dress party as Charlie Brown. <laughs> I mean, you, are, you. I mean, you don't have to do much. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you put on a top that had the. the I did. The, uh, I did. The I, thing. Yeah. The stripe. So I, had, I had the zigzaggy. Charlie yeah, the zigzag. That's what I was looking for. I put on some yeah. grey shorts and I got a black marker pen and drew the little circular loopy hair thing on my forehead. Were you bold even then? I mean, even then, it wasn't that long ago. It was relatively recent. Yeah. I might do that. I might steal that idea. Yeah. The next one, I made a good Charlie Brown. Drag myself to, and I have a habit of just rolling my eyes and saying "good grief" at everyone. So, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. fair enough. So, Should we, can we mention that? Um, can we mention this is exciting? So, Sky Atlantic slash Now TV have confirmed a start date for True Detective season three. Is that exciting? 
Yes. Is this, is this only exciting to people who didn't watch True Detective Season 2? No, because famously, they've taken the disaster that was Season 2 <laughs> and they've learnt their lesson. <laughs> so, this is a return to the kind of format of Season 1. Uh-huh. It's about a 1980 case where a brother and sister disappeared in the Ozarks and the detectives, led by Mahashala Ali and Stephen Dorff, come on, and Carmen and Joe goes in it, it's got a great cast, they... Go so it flits between the two timelines of exploring, investigating the original case and now yeah. the t- the timeline situation that made season one so unique and they're completely ignoring the mass disaster of two. <laughs> so I'm st- I am excited again. Yes, I think it's going to be. I think they'll have learnt their lesson. See Terry won't in, watch it, this. No, it's it, this it, violates her rule yes. of you know one and this done. could be in the slot in the slot. Of <laughs> yeah. Terry vanquishes or whatever. Terry forsakes. Terry forsakes. Terry forsakes. Um. I have already mentioned it, but I do want to talk about the kind of... We've had two sneak peeks of Killing Eve Season 2 this week, one of which was in EW, um, and it showed two pictures, one of Eve, one of Villanelle, and it's apparently kind of just after we left them at the end of Season 1. Shut your ears or put your hand over something. What? Actually, yeah. over what your ears? Um, if you haven't, uh, over if you haven't seen the hell. end, because obviously um, at the end of season one, um, Eve stabs Villanelle. Obviously, we don't know what happens to her; she disappears. <gasps> but we do. We figured that she was still alive, obviously, because there's no real killing Eve without. Because Villanelle. otherwise, season two would just be called Killed Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or no. killed, killed Villanelle. Yeah, killed Villanelle, which is not a snappy. <laughs> um, so what you've got is two pictures: Villanelle in the street. She uh, she looks like she might be trying to hail a cab, um, battered and bruised, um, and then Eve is in the bath naked kind of looking a bit sad um i mean that's her default <laughs> i mean position, yeah so so um and the executive producer and head writer emerald fennel um talked to ew and said that she's done eve has done something which may have changed her forever that will have repercussions with every relationship in her life presumably talking about her husband who is just the wettest like man ever um oh he was so annoying oh my he? god oh. he was terrible and then she also gave an interview to the hollywood reporter and she describes the new season, it says it moves from being a chase to being together in the same oh. room. And it's much more psychological, um, which I don't know how it can be much more psychological. It was pretty psychological mm. in the first place. So I don't quite know what any of that means, I have to say. But um, uh, I will take anything on Killing Eve right now. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, exciting. More excited about that than I am about True Detective Season 3, but hey-ho. Did I, I'm not sure if I actually said the date. So I started telling the story. The story was that they've announced the date, which is yeah. uh, January the 14th. January the 14th? Yes. Oh, that's soon. Be excited. Yes, that's really soon. soon. Yes. Wow. Okay, that's a show that I absolutely need to make a note in my diary to not yeah. bother watching in January. Oh, come so on, James. <laughs> You're, you don't, you, don't you be a forsaker. You're not a forsaker. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Team Terry on this one. I'm oh, absolutely Jesus forsaken wept. that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Did anyone? Did any of you watch Ellen? Elementary. No. The Johnny Lee Miller, start with, Lucy Lou. Then I, I watched season one, then not the following six seasons. Around yeah. Me, yeah, well, it's been cancelled, so don't bother. <laughs> uh, that's a bit of news for you. CBS cancelled, CBS <laughs> presumably cancelled it because there weren't enough toxic males in it. Um, uh, they've cancelled <laughs> They've cancelled this ahead of its season seven premiere. They've said there will not be a season eight, so that is the end of that. Elementary, my dear Boyd. He's gone. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Very oh my good. god! Can that be a segment just elementary, because that name? my dear boy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to oh. talk about Sherlock-related things. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I got another bit of Apple news for you as Have well. You? Uh, the the streaming service that I, I don't still don't understand from Apple uh, has signed Fast and Furious majordomo Justin oh, yeah. Lin yeah. as their like creative guru. So he's uh, he's he's signed a deal to kind of I guess be in charge of overall TV development for a certain area of it. So his kind of Perfect Storm Entertainment banner is going to do some stuff for them. Um, 
I mean, I don't really know what form this is going to take, but the man's a bit of a dude. And he did, he did, he did Star Trek. I film, mean, he's got to be a I dude. Enjoyed, so you know, which one was that? Beyond. Uh, he did indeed to yeah, Beyond. That was good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and have, you know the, the the Black Mirror things development. Yeah. Think, yes. No. The film. It's a quasi development. Yeah. So as we speak now, because by the time this comes out, so we're, we're on Thursday the twentieth of December. And I was saying in the lot in one of the podcasts that you know everyone's expecting will there be the new series because it often drops without much warning at the end of the year. Well, it looks like the a special a ninety minute Black Mirror film, which will be the longest episode yet, and might have the long. He talks about how it will let you choose your own ending and choose your own plot developments. But there's a if you Google if you not Google if you search for Black Mirror on your Netflix today as of now, you will see there's a kind of holding page for a thing called Bandersnatch which looks like it will be that thing. And it says 2018 on it. So there's only like literally like 11 more days to go before it should arrive at some point. Wow. By the time this comes out, maybe it will have arrived. So I have 11 days to watch all of Black Mirror in preparation for this. No, because they're all individual stories completely I separate know, from each other. You know what I'm like. I'm very obsessive compulsive. I can't <laughs> watch the new ones until I've watched all the preceding You've ones. You've never watched any Black Mirror. I watched the first one with the pig fucking and I found it unpleasant. But you did. I thought we had a conversation about Hang the DJ. Or was I mean, that me talking at you and you not answering and me thinking that was a conversation? I mean, he does, things with what we've learned today is he yeah. does forget having watched huge lunk, chunks of things. It's possible I've seen all of Black Mirror and yeah. just forgotten about <laughs> it. I'm to the back of your mind. Because they're all unpleasant. Yeah, I probably watched it the same day I watched the end of the first season oh. of Legion and then forgot about it. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, I, I watched the Pigfucker one and then I was like, this, this just is not nice. So I, I didn't watch any more. Of course, it wasn't nice. But it was. It was brilliant. I thought it was fantastic. It was fantastic, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Glo- it, I mean, no, there's been good. some incredibly wonderful episodes. Of I'm sure they have, and I've heard good things. But it, it strikes me as you know, I've spoken about this before. Like it's 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 promiscuous television. I've got no time for that kind of one and done stuff. I need an ongoing story arc. It's it is. I think you can all agree. It's the reason Deep Space Nine was so ultimately <laughs> superior to the Next Generation and Voyager because it had that powerful story arc driving through the narrative that kind of went through. Which was of course, Boyd. Which was of course yep. the Dominion. More. Yeah, so, I often say uh, that to myself. Yeah, yeah, about Deep Space Nine. I thought you did. You're, you're very much. You are yeah. in many ways the Benjamin Cisco of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Have we had enough thing. news yet? <laughs> because <laughs> do you know? Do you see the thing about George Takai joining? Yes, the, the Terror yes. as consultant and series regular, which is one of the yeah. most surprising headlines <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, not Mr. Sulu. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be in. So this is an anthology scene as well, so it's a completely different story. Oh, is it? Yeah. So something else terrifying. This one, set during World War II, the second season of The Terror centers on a series of bizarre deaths that haunt a Japanese-American community. There you go. Quite good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I really liked season one. I didn't finish it. (laughs) <laughs> or, 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 did did. or did you? Or did I? Yeah, you or did forgotten. I? Maybe, maybe I did. It's, it's hard to say. Um, also, but, however, something that I will finish is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes. And there are going to be another, at least two seasons of this. So you know when, when Netflix, when because they don't release ratings or yeah. anything, no one really knows, but as soon as they suddenly go, in the, just as season one's arrived, I'll be doing like three more series and 90 million more episodes. That's so that doing well. well. Yeah. yeah. People you know are watching it's that. doing well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's no a discovery of witches. I think we can all agree, but well, uh, no. but it's still still good. I'm enjoying it. There's going to be a lot of fucking witches on oh, next I year, love aren't it. there? Love it. So many witches. Love it. I'm surprised you're not into this shit, Terry. You're well, quite witches, you're quite I'm witch into positive. Witches. I'm into witches, but um, you know, I was just talking about charms the other day again. Mm. Um, that starts in the first week of January on E4. Uh, not the new charmed, oh, the okay. proper, the new charmed real is, charmed. The, you, they're your Star Wars prequels, the aren't they? OG charmed. <laughs> I was talking about the parallels between charmed and uh, Infinity War and my predictions for uh, Avengers Endgame in the office the other day, and I pretty much lost the entire room. But there are so many. <laughs> Can I just say, could you review 
the rebooted Charmed in the next issue of Pilot? And can you use the headline, The Worst Witch? Yes. And yes. <laughs> okay. Look forward to that. And on that note, I believe we're done with news. Um, this takes us on to a little bit of reviewage. There's some very good stuff coming out over the festive period. Most of it seems to be dropping on New Year's Day, but not all of it. Uh, so shall we, first and foremost, talk about the glorious, glorious return of the tweed-wearing, rule-breaking, tie-sporting, random shouting, people's boyd, first names, oh, Luther. I love it the way he talks and he's talking and then he goes, one word, and you don't know which word will be louder than the other ones. I love him. What is happening? This how Luther talks. <laughs> and he'll randomly use people's first name repeatedly in conversation. Jerry! It's great. Love it. Love a bit, Luther. And there's one bit in this series where she, because... Spoiler alert. I don't, I don't know who Everyone you mean, knows. Boyd. I don't know who you mean. Just, she, she. We should have had a pre Alice. pre meeting about this, but it, it's like heavily. Everyone knows. Everyone Alice knows back, Alice Morgan is back. Yes. We, like, yeah, we, is, we ran is, a picture in oh, there Empire oh, magazine. Yeah. Few. Yeah, she's back. Few. She's, she's back. officially back. Ruth There's Wilson one bit where she does that back to him, and she goes, "John, John, John," yeah. repeatedly. Yeah, yeah I yes. know. I love it because he was Alice, Alice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Indeed. Thank you, John. Anyway, uh, John Luther is in fact back on the Beeb for a triumphant four-part fifth series, which is a vast improvement over the two-part fourth series, uh, which begins on New Year's Day. Uh, so it'll be airing on the 1st, 2nd, 3rd and 4th of Jan, making those the best days of the month. Uh, there are two main storylines in this one, uh, which I very much enjoyed. So there's the obligatory twisted serial killer kind of mutilating victims in the East End. And then there's an entanglement with Patrick Malahide's crime boss, George Cornelius, which also involves the return of Alice Morgan. And actually, despite and this is the return of Alice Morgan, despite the fact that she died in the last series, but the less said about that, the better. They've done a um, Sherlockian back from the dead trick. Indeed, they trick. have. She has been missed she has been yes, missed. I always, she has. All, I mean, Luther's grateful. Stop, and I like Luther because I think Neil Cross is delightfully twisted. Uh, but I love Luther's London and the idea that the London and especially the East End that Luther inhabits is not our London. It's a dark, parallel universe London, not like in a sci-fi way, but in the a London where routinely there are many, many serial killers operating all the time, <laughs> so and no one really bats an eyelid about it. Yeah, um, this serial killer. Yeah, right. It's, I feel that Neil Cross has set himself the task. He sat down, he's gone, right, the BBC is going to let me write a four-part Luther special and it's going to go out in the festive period. I'm going to create the most sick, twisted, perverse thing I can possibly think of, even by the stands of all the Luthers I've done so far. It is unbelievably sick. Yeah. You know, I love. I absolutely love it. I, it, it but... There's a surgery scene. I'm not going to... No spoilers. There's a scene of surgery that is both morally and visually repugnant. Yeah. That I was like, how? no one could get away with this. Yeah. Like, just after nine o'clock, it's, BBC One. Yeah. On, like, you know, the beginning of January. It's unbelievable. It's 18 certificates. If this was a film, it would be 18 oh, rated. Yeah. yeah. They relish the disgustingness <laughs> yes, of the serial killer's threat, mm. which I thought was triumphantly hor- horrendous and nasty. Hermione Norris, that lovely woman yes. from Cold Feet, yes. is a revelation. Don't want to say too much about who she is or what she does, but she is fantastic. I thought in this, yeah. And I, I thought Wami Masaku, who's who's Luther's new um, sidekick, police sidekick, was great as well as kind of like a really. She's like the still centre of it. She's very calm mm. and methodical and professional. And she's dealing with his maverickness all around her and this sick, twisted serial killing that's going on. I really did love it. I think 
there are moments where it is incredibly clunky and ridiculous, but that's what you want, isn't it? It's what you want. Yeah. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, I liked it loads. I missed Rose Leslie. I thought she was really good in the previous yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but no, her replacement did did entertain me. I also I like to have more. The more George Cornelius, the better. I'm saying Patrick Malahide is. Dude. There was a lot of. George, there was a yeah, lot of Cornelius lot of in this, being, and I really enjoyed yeah. that. Uh, and like, like I say, like the the Alice dynamic. I think Luther. I mean, even now has never been as good as its first two series because that was absolutely rock solid. There was so much going on with his personal life with Alice. There were a lot of dynamics there, and I really enjoyed that. And I think as it almost simplified its formula, it became slightly less compelling. I felt this was definitely a rally. Like the two part fourth series was fine, but it wasn't great. And the whole Laura Haddock thing and that I could have absolutely done without. Whereas this one really yeah. did feel like a, you know, like a, a much. Um, not 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 literally his absolute best, but certainly up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this absolutely should be on everyone's viewing list for the first four days of Jan. I'm saying, Terry, did you watch it? So, I tried probably six months ago to watch season one of Luther. Yeah, and I got probably two thirds of the way through the first episode and was like, yeah. But it's dark and miserable when people get hurt and are unhappy. This is this is surely no. manna from heaven so for you. I gave it another go probably three months ago and made it to the end and was like. Meh. And then, so then <laughs> I attempted to watch this first episode and maybe it's because I've not watched any of the others, but I'm just not bothered. What's wow. wrong with you? I God. can't get into it. I can't, like, I genuinely, and everybody, I missed it the first time around. Everyone kept saying, you've got to watch Luther, you'll love it. You've got to watch Luther, you'll love it. I think he's really hammy. And it's, oh, my God. He's, he seems really hammy. And it maybe it's I've watched too much Laura and Order SVU, but yes. I didn't yes. like the action. Um, and no. Once you've seen the pinnacle of crime drama in SVU, it's very hard yeah. to go anywhere from there. I do not know what to tell you. It's oh. just not happening for Luther me. Luther rules. You didn't like the I'm killer sorry. with the glowing LEDs. Oh, yeah, thing. the glowing hoodie. The... I, just, oh. no. I have to say, I thought... Episode one wasn't quite as thrilling as I thought, but it, episode two is where it all came together yeah, for me. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. full sickness of the yeah, serial yeah, killing yeah. situation comes comes to to the fore in episode two. I, I watched all four of them back to back, and I had no intention of doing that. But I just yeah, no, same. Stop. So did I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, it's yeah. magnificent. I realised how much I had missed that tweed coat wearing detective. It is hammy. I mean, I think it is uh, it is undoubtedly hammy. There is, you know, I mean, the, Patrick Mallard's character is like the all oh, of the East End yeah. gangster yeah. bosses rolled into one Absolutely. and being as ridiculous as possible. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's part of the whole shtick. Yeah. I think it is hammy. Me. Yeah. yeah, we're not uh, going to convince her. No, we're not going to convince her. But it's but it's it, this is one of these ones where you were like, oh, go on, one more Luther. But I'm like, I now must have more Luther. And he has talked. Idris has talked endlessly for as long as I have have actually been interviewing him about been stalking him. It's been stalking him. Yes, I'm trying desperately to mm. make him yeah. one of my celebrity oh, friends. Yeah. And it's yeah, not yeah. happening. <laughs> he did give me a fist bump last time I interviewed him. Wow. So I'm saying that's a step up from Do a you handshake. You know how to do a fist bump. I was going to say, oh, God, <laughs> please let there be video evidence yeah. of this. Were you like, why is it just Elba holding out his fist? <laughs> I didn't go up to him and like, hold my fist out. <laughs> I just, he, he, he offered me his fist and I Brilliant. graciously oh. bopped it. And Thanks, that well was, done. Uh, you know, that was, that was, uh, yeah, we shared a moment. It was yeah. good. Yeah. It was good. He was unwell. I think that's why he didn't want to shake hands. Oh, so okay. yeah, I'm sure. Low. Fair enough. You're in, that's what he said. Anyway, um, no, but he's been going on about doing a Luther film with Neil Cross forever. I know. And we've all been like, yeah, whatever. whatever but I think it really will happen now. Because he said this week, he said Neil Cross is working on it. I mean, I, that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah. But though, if I'm honest with you, yeah. I, you could sack off a film and just give me a, a, like a six-episode oh, totally series. Agree. I I'd take that in a heartbeat. I agree, yeah. 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 Just I'd give much me... rather see another four-part series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure give the me... BBC would as well. <laughs> give me all the hours of Luther. That's what I'm saying. 
Uh, right, that is fabulous. That is Luther. That airs on New Year's Day on BBC One. Next up, also on BBC One, uh, is we're getting our Agatha Christie on for the second week running. Uh, this time with the ABC Murders, which stars John Malkovich as the French sleuth Hercule Poirot, uh, torn out of retirement to take on a last case, much to the chagrin of a surprisingly excellent Rupert Grint. <laughs> Um, Terry, did you see this? What do you think? I did. I loved this. So right from the opening moment, it looks, first and foremost, it looks beautiful. It really does. Absolutely beautiful. The bloody, I've never seen a typewriter seem so dynamic. The first shot. The tension Mm. from the, and it is the first six or seven seconds, just look beautiful and really set the tone, I think, for the entire thing. Um, It feels really relevant. It's kind of early 1930s London. He's obviously Belgian. There's this weird tension and slight xenophobia and suspicion in the air. It feels weirdly kind of relevant. It's incredibly gory and quite, and you know, there's S&M, there's murder. It does not kind of hold anything back. And I think Sarah Phelps, who, um, you know, BAFTA winning, she's at the helm of this adaptation, has done Agatha Christie before, but not Poirot, um, has done an absolutely remarkable job. It feels really... I often think with Agatha Christie, right, it's really hard to make it feel energetic and full of life and and full of colour. And it did all of those things for me. And he was incredible. Yeah, Sarah Phelps is a genius. And that word is thrown around... But honestly, I, these things, this is the fourth of her Agatha Christie adaptations. They keep getting better. They're absolutely phenomenal. And what she's done with all of them is look at when these books came out originally, when they're set. And she's she very with a very light touch, but she shows the social mm. situation. And this one is the most powerful one because it's set during the rise of the British fascists. So it's yeah. 1933. And, um, and it's easy to forget that British fascism was a major, major phenomenon. And, you know, it was something that had to be dealt with. It was, you know, obviously in Germany, actual Nazism was on the rise as well. But in Britain, there was a lot of extreme right-wing xenophobia, funnily enough, still going on now. Mm. There's a scene, there's a little scene in, in this where Poirot's on the train and he drops his ticket mm. and the ticket inspector doesn't pick it up and he's got a badge. Of the well, British no, it's the ticket inspector, doesn't he? He punches his punches, ticket yeah, and then right. just drops it on the floor yeah. rather than giving it back to right. him. Right. And it's really moving mm. and it's really disturbing. And so little scenes like that have incredible punch. Shirley Henderson. I mean, it's got, it's got <laughs> oh a cut. Oh, my God. I love Shirley Henderson anyway. She's she Marvel. can do no wrong. <laughs> but she's given this role of ultimate twisted sickness of this. Yeah. She plays the owner of the kind of really horrible, nasty um, place where one of the central characters lives. And she basically farms out, sells her own daughter to um, the lodgers to have sex with. She prostitutes out her own daughter. And all of that is so nasty and horrible, but completely authentic and believable mm. and real. And it's re- and it's done. She does all that stuff so brilliantly. And the central mystery is absolutely intriguing, fascinating. And all the way through, you think you know. It feels like it's a why done it rather than who done it. And she, you know, she's which is she she prefers why done it rather than mm. done it. But there's still an incredible developments that happen in the end. Mm. Um, I, it is absolutely brilliant. I loved it so much from start to finish. It's one of the massive, massive. Uh, treats for it's Christmas. also a Poirot th- that we haven't seen before. It's yes. a very different take on yes. that character. Yeah. You learn an awful lot about that character, which I found absolutely fascinating and equally horrifying. Yeah, uh, Really, really enjoyed this. Malkovich is a joy, I think, in pretty much anything he does. But in this... Yeah, he's modula- it's modulated, isn't it, his performance? Yeah. So it's, not, it's nowhere near as kind of camp. No. Most Poirots, even <laughs> Kenneth Branagh was a bit camp. <laughs> yeah. That moustache was... You yeah. know. But even the, I love... I think the facial hair complete, yeah. really showed the kind of Poirot he was going to be, which, yeah. which is slightly you know 
neater and smaller and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the the gestures weren't as big and everything felt a little more contained and a little more nuanced. Yeah. Because he is he's sad Poirot, he's melancholic Poirot. He is. And it's retired Poirot. Retired Poirot. He's lost his relevance Poirot. (laughs) And there's there's that tragic bit early on when he's brushing dye into his goatee so he doesn't appear as old as he is. And kudos to the you know, the Agatha Christie estate and all of that, because they allow Sarah Phelps the freedom to do this stuff and it's Mm. edgy, it's difficult. You know, this is going out Boxing Day in the middle of the Christmas period, but it's unbelievable dark and powerful stuff. It is. Yeah. yeah and, but hats off to Rupert Grint, who, oh, yeah. it He's has to be brilliant. said, has not had what I would describe as a sort of stellar acting career, career post-Harry Potter. <laughs> isn't he? He's, in the, he's in Snatch, isn't he? He is in Snatch. The TV yeah. Snatch thing. Yeah. Um, but in this, I, re- I thought he was great. I thought he was completely compelling as mm. a sort of, you know, resentful British Bobby, you know, doesn't want the help, doesn't really like or respect Poirot and kind of is gradually won around. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed him in this. Yes. So, it's fantastic, yeah. yeah. Good old good old Ron. Yeah, it's great. Watch it. <laughs> watch it, watch it. That BBC One, B- Boxing Day, three consecutive nights, nine o'clock. Do it. Do it now. We also have you, Netflix's big release for the Christmas period, because nothing says festive cheer quite like Gossip Girl's Penn Bagley, uh, or Badgley, I should say, playing a creepy psycho stalker. Boyd, yes. I'm going to assume you're the yes. only one who watched this. No, I have, I have, I have oh. lots of things to say. Okay. I'll let Boyd this is, it, it really, so this is, so every year Netflix has a show that they kind of, I think, keep in reserve deliberately so they can unleash the whole, this is 10 episodes. Is this, is this this year's OA? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's completely different, nothing, nothing yeah. to do. But in terms of binge-worthiness, mm. it's addictive. It's, this is pulpy, demented, ridiculous, over-the-top. Highly entertaining, I thought, and it is so. It's all about this Pen Badgley, Bagley, whatever you have, whatever you call it, <laughs> from out of Gossip Girl. He plays a dude who works in a bookstore in New York, manages a bookstore in yep. New York, the inherited from his dad. And right at the beginning, this uh, woman walks in who's a student, and he's uh, he narrates the whole thing. So it's all going on in his head. You hear what he's saying. He said, and he fancies this woman, and he wheedles his way into her life in various extraordinarily creepy ways, and he kind of cyber stalks her basically. That's the premise, but there's loads more going on as well, which we won't, which we won't give away. It's safe to say, it's got things in common with Luther. There's link, there's connection to Luther in it in terms of um, the, you know, the Does way he just shout people's first names. Not just that, not just that. Just in terms of ridiculous thing he 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 does, the main character in the middle of this story. I've watched the first two. I'm absolutely addicted already. Now it is unbelievable. There are moments that are utterly preposterous in the first episode. He goes around watching this woman who lives in a massive New York (laughs) house, the most lavish, enormous bit of New York real estate, and she decides she's going to sit in the window masturbating with a cushion. I mean, without without the curtains drawn or anything or blinds drawn. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, so you can sit standing there watching her doing all of this and having sex, of course, with this horrendous hipster dude boyfriend who is (laughs) as horrendous as the character you were talking about in Killing Eve. He is genius. He runs. He's got his own business making artists sodas <laughs> and he doesn't eat he doesn't eat bread and all of that he is a brilliantly horrendous creation i am really enjoying this show so i loved it and what i loved is they set it up as kind of it plays with all the tropes of rom-coms right so as you say she walks into this bookstore let me tell you i lived in new york and i used to have a dream because of bloody films i had a dream that i would go to a bookstore and a man would get talking to me about my you know sylvia plath and then we'd fall in love that never happened because it doesn't happen this sets up that it sets her up as this manic pixie dream girl it turns out she's none of those things she's in debt she's like struggling to keep up with her post-grad course um she's dating this terrible terrible guy she's a bit of a 
mess. She drinks a bit too much. Um, and he, the setup is, and he uses this voiceover narration, which is very kind of Gone Girl-esque. Um, mm. And you can't really tell at first if he's like, if this is a super romantic guy, because the line between romantic nice guy suitor the hero of the piece and psychotic stalker is actually paper thin right that's the reality and so there's a bit there's a telling bit where she goes to pay for the book and he goes oh she had the right amount in cash but she paid with a credit card because she wants me to know her name all those little details which as you say are either romantic or psychotic psychotic and it is very pulpy as Boyd said it's incredibly trashy but I loved it the production values are really high it looks amazing mm. the writing is really funny um, but it's it kind of you follow him as he gradually kind of gets more obsessed and you but you're kind of you don't hate him you're slightly sympathetic to him at times you're right you're right, you're right she's a bit of a mess and he plays on that thing of guys wanting to rescue women him saving her from herself so there's one bit where she's too drunk on the subway and he's like oh look <laughs> at you that scene is hysterical that scene is hysterical <laughs> i won't say what happens because no. it's a massive spoiler but there is something really funny happens in that scene which subverts all of those tropes but he's like oh you're too drunk to be alone and he's positioning himself as the kind of um, the guy who's there to rescue her. What it's a really interesting study of is um, toxic kind of entitled masculinity, men who feel like they have a certain entitlement to women, that kind of saviour complex that is built into all of that. Um, and it's it really prods at all those things, which I find really, really fascinating. It is a massive kind of warning sign about what you put on social media and how much of your life is actually out there at any kind of one point. Mm. Um, he finds out pretty much everything he yeah. can. Don't use the cloud. I'm saying Don't that now. Don't use the cloud. Oh, does he break into a cloud stuff? Don't use, yeah. Don't yeah. use cloud. While going, and there's a bit where he goes, and he speaks directly to her in this narration. So he goes, oh, you'll fight me on it, but I'll get you to change all of the passwords on your devices. Oh, yeah. um, so as a modern kind of parable about the dangers of social media, um, but also around kind of entitlement and toxic relationships, I thought it was really interesting, really funny, um, and slightly scary. There's a slight horror element mm. to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, this was a surprise to me, I have to say. I, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, but it is definitely worth a bit of time. I mean, there's really funny in one bit when she's, he spots her with the guy she's dating. He goes, uh, Beck, who the fuck is this? And you're kind of this stream of consciousness. Yeah. You're which... right, it is Gone Girl. I was thinking, yeah. what is it like? It, the narration is very Gone Girl. Yeah, it's adapted from a novel by Caroline Kepner. So I think it, it's important because it is very much from a woman's point of view, even yes. though so it's narrated by a man, but it's a woman's view of this sickness See, this within is really this guy. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't watch this because I thought it's a you psycho would really love bloke it. stalker. I thought this sounds horrible and depressing and upsetting. Oh, no, it's and funny. I don't it's want to great. watch it. You would You've love turned it. me around. You yeah. would love it. It's very, it's all the stuff you and I talk about this in the office quite a lot around modern relationships yep, yep. and entitlement and the dynamic between men and women that exists in a modern world where a lot of kind of attitudes are still quite traditional around kind of ownership and entitlement mm, it mm. plays with all all of those things in a really fascinating funny way um loads of twists and turns as Boyd says don't go in expecting plausibility really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're not going to get it no. but it is it is yeah. massively entertaining I knew Terry would like this so I'll tell you how, why 
because it's set in a bookshop and there's so many bookshop scenes <laughs> um, and there's talk of books. And I thought, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is terrible. This is a Terry show. But it's very, like, I love that beginning. They they kind of trade comments about, yeah. you know, inferior, oh, Dan Brown. That, yeah, there's like, a whole Dan Brown. There's a whole Dan yeah. Brown. So even though this thing is incredibly cheesy yeah. and pulpy, they make fun of Dan Brown. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I know, I'm not so sure. So it sets up that yeah. they're this, oh, they're a little bit elitist, but actually then it subverts all of those things. Yeah. I loved how kind of inside itself it was and willing to kind of take the piss out of itself as well. Yeah. Oh. They're very clever, these Netflix people, because I think they know this is such an addictive show that people are going to fucking love watching 10 hours of it over Christmas. Well, I, I'm, I will be one of them. Yes. You've turned me around on this. I'm definitely going to watch this. That is you, which drops on Netflix on Boyd. What day? Boxing Day. On Boxing Day as well. It's going to be a busy, yeah, festive a, period, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, what with people having to watch the whole of the Shield and Battlestar Galactica, I don't know how they're going to have time for Can all I this. Can I just mention because we, we we generally do three things at Christmas. There are other, there's loads of other stuff. So we, you know, Les Mis starts on the thirtieth. There's a brilliant um, one-off uh, Mark Gatiss uh, ghost story called The Dead Room, which is on Christmas Eve. Okay, um, and of course Doctor Who. Ah, and yeah. of course. Doctor Who, which is another New Year's Day special. Now, if only we had a kind of resident <laughs> pilot TV time lord who might have been exclusively allowed to already have seen it. Yes. Now, I am strictly embargoed I bet from you revealing are. anything. I bet and you are. I, I can't. I don't, wouldn't ever want to reveal anything or spoil it. But well, what are you? What are you? So, gallery free to tell us. What I'm gallery free to tell you is I f- loved this episode. So uh, I think I me. can. S- no, but I think so. What I would say is. Terry and I both really enjoyed this this reboot of Doctor Who for all kinds of reasons. I would say I think there have been some episodes that haven't worked this series. And the and the finale, the nor- regular series finale, which brought back the alien with the toothy head um, from the first episode oh, good God. did not work for me. I thought it was one of I thought it was a, 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 a very, very flawed episode and it was kind of it was actually a bit rather boring. Um, and but now when you watch this you realise, ah, it's all been leading up to this. This is the real finale, series finale. So they knew they were gonna do this special. I think it's I think it's not Christmassy at all, but it is New Year's Eve. There is mm. reference to New Year's it's called Resolution. And clearly Chris Jibnall, the showrunner, has gone, Look, I feel like the Christmassy stuff is slightly hampered. You know, you have to keep coming up with ways of being Christmassy. This is a full on Everything you love about Doctor Who, brilliant hour. It's a bit longer. It's an hour long, of 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 top level hooness for Whovians. Whovians <laughs> are going to love it, and it is equally newcomers. Oh, I, I saw it. There was a newcomer sitting next to me who never hardly ever watched Doctor Who, um, an actor I know, and he loved it. It is wonderful. It's fun. So the but it's the most fun of all of this series. You know, it's done lots of things. This series has had brilliant stories about, you know, real things that happened in the past, history lessons about petition in India and Pakistan and stuff like that. This is an hour of absolute no-holds-barred fun. And is it touching? Because I I want... From yes. from the Christmas Doctor Who, I need to be moved. Yeah, there is. So there is. Oh, I would say, but I think what well, I can say, I don't know, who knows? But Tosin Cole's character, you know, he had father issues. That's yeah. explored, and that's that's a particularly touching element of it. Yes. Could, so on top of everything, it is also. Could touching. I just point out for those that weren't listening carefully enough, there was a humble brag name drop without the name. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. In that boys, oh yeah, I was sitting yeah. with one of my uh, celebrity friends <laughs> while I was uh, watching Doctor Who ahead of all you people who haven't seen it yet. Quite extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. It was just, no, it was just random. Was it the doctor? No, it wasn't the doctor. No, no, no. no okay. No. Who just, was it? Uh, do you know what? Is I that did, embargoed I as well? Yeah, yeah it's embargoed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, yeah, so you will be wanting to watch that on New Year's Day. Presumably it's on before, Luther. I don't imagine this it's is after Watershed. It's on 7 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, 7 o'clock New Year's Day. What a treat you've got in store. Very exciting. Now, before we end this, I purposely booked an extra bit on the end of this recording session because I'm going to do the fucking Banshee segment. Oh, oh my God! 
if it kills me we did this the on Banshee last week's segment. podcast we did this on last week's podcast we actually did the whole segment and oh mysteriously it didn't record almost as if someone had somehow sabotaged it i blame terry the whole thing didn't record we had to cut it i had to go in and record an extra outro it was a whole thing and then we were going to do it for the review of the year which you guys haven't heard yet but we have actually recorded and we ran out of time so 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 we are going to do it now even though this segment is clearly cursed <laughs> we're going to give it one more try the banshee segment aka from the archive where we talk about a show Incredible. that is an old show that we love that you probably haven't seen those are the rules boyd well the one i chose last week i was derided for but no, I you will, well slightly I you were was... like oh everyone knows heard of that i was oz and that was a good a choice. classic hbo show yes about a prison set in a prison that was unbelievably nasty and horrible yes and has neo-nazis and rita moreno from west side story yes and i, but I came up with a new one because i forgot that you wiped over that i did and so i thought oh in case he does the banshee slot i have to think of a new one you prepared for yeah the banshee prepared. Slot. you've left me behind i have <laughs> so this is i think this is a good one because i was again i just flicked through the sky q you know box sets yep, they've yep, got. Yep. critical do you know what critical oh, is? Oh, uh, Jeb and Curio. Yes, Jeb yes. and Curio's kind of slightly lost show. No one saw that. that. he made for Sky. Oh, I did. With Lenny James. With Lenny James. Yes. So he made this for Sky One um, a couple of years ago, in between, I think, Line of Duty's season three and four, or mm. four, whichever. And it's fucking brilliant. Honestly, he, this is like um, Jeb and Curio set himself a task of how can I make the most difficult TV drama possible? Tell it in real time. So every episode is an hour long story. It's about a, a, a trauma unit, this incredibly modern, all white trauma, white as in the design of the uh, set, not as in <laughs> yeah. the characters. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the most disgusting and horrible um, people, the people who have got, had these horrendous accidents happen to them. There's one, the man with a spike in his head is one of the episodes. And it's, you, you just follow the surgeons and the doctors and the nurses and everyone sorting out these things in an hour told in real time it's an um, and and yet it's completely gripping and compelling and brilliantly and obviously he was a doctor yeah that's his past so he knows what he's talking about it's a brilliant show but i think because it was so challenging you know that you have to it had to tell each story within that format that people kind of felt it was a bit too challenging to watch maybe so it wasn't a huge hit but it is fantastic why did it not get a second series because you know didn't not enough people watched it simply yeah that that is a shame terry i know you haven't prepared for this but what can you pull out of your bum at the last (laughs) second (laughs) to recommend for people over the christmas period i'm going to mention what you wiped last week which was unforgettable which (laughs) which clearly was is Another one of my police procedural crime dramas. Yep. And this one is starring Poppy Montgomery, who I love, mainly because she's in the other good police procedural drama called Without a Trace. Um, unforgettable. I think it ran from like 2011 to 2017-ish. And basically she plays a detective who has a rare medical condition which allows her to essentially memorise anything really quickly, not just like a photographic memory, but like a kind of somebody with magic powers. And she uses that skill to catch crims and bad guys. And that's kind of it. So there's always one scene where she kind of glances at something and then 25 minutes later it goes... (laughs) And it reruns in slow-mo and you see everything that she saw and she uses that kind of intel to break the case wide open amazing and so yeah this this is a, this is a recommendation i love it okay like i'm obsessed with it better than luther you're saying better than luther wow okay what's it called again unforgettable oh. not unforgotten 
Sorry, what was it called? Unforgettable. That's good as well. Terry, what was it called again? Unforgettable. Oh, Christ almighty. Lols. I'm going to go on about the one that I went on about last time. Uh, and say, uh, and talk about Hell on Wheels. I'm going to talk about oh, Hell yeah. on Wheels because I talked about this last time. This was an AMC show that ran from 2011 to 2016. Starred Anson Mount, who you may remember from uh, the early noughties Britney Spears movie Crossroads, and who will be Captain Pike, lest we forget, in the new season of Star Trek Discovery, which is very exciting. Can never forget uh, that. That's right. But he was Cullen Bohannon, owner of the best beard in the West. Uh, and the title refers to the fact that this was about the construction of the first transcontinental railroad that, that ran across America. And the series kind of begins as a revenge drama, becomes about the decline of the frontier and the forced civilization of the West. It's got Common in it uh, and Colomini as the kind of rail boss. He's excellent. And it's so much fun for the five seasons that it ran. And no one saw it because it had on Turner Classic Movies over here. Yeah. Uh, so much like Sons of Anarchy, it was a show where even if you wanted to see it, you almost certainly couldn't find it. <laughs> is uh, that why? Is that why? That is the reason. You definitely banshee'd us with that one. That it is def- a banshee. Yeah, that's a proper banshee. Yeah. But it was a fantastic show. We had great characters. Characters had such an amazing kind of sense of time and place. Uh, it's not quite Deadwood in terms of like great TV westerns, but I do recommend it, and it's probably the closest that a certain demographic of our, our listenership will get to reliving their Red Dead Redemption Two fantasies uh, on the sort of televisual format. Let's uh, not forget as well that Anson Mount was oh blackballed oh, in Inhumans. What is going on? It's almost as if Empire's Chris Hewitt has gate crashed the pilot TV co- podcast. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello, James. I told you I'd be on the Pilot TV podcast one of these days, didn't I? Oh, this is awful. After spending months dissing us, degrading us. Publicly. Publicly deriding us. Keith, your listener, is outside. (laughs) He's having a great old time. I've chained him up to the railings outside. This shows your real feelings for the Pilot TV podcast. You want to be part of it. My nose was pressed up against the glass. (laughs) You're jealous. So so this this segment, the Banshee segment, is Uh we take a show that we love, that we think our listeners probably haven't seen and recommend it. What would yours be? I know, I listen to the podcast. (laughs) What would it be? I mean, even if you listen to the podcast, you won't know the Banshee segment. Banshee. Yeah. It would be Banshee. Tell (laughs) us about Banshee, Chris. Created by Alan Ball. Uh, It was... Fantastic show. It's a bit like Jack Reacher, the TV show, isn't it, in many ways? Lots of violence, lots of nudity. Uh, a show that people might not have seen. Yeah, yeah. Go, okay, Let, let's do it another way, Chris. What's your, what's your favourite TV show on at the moment that doesn't involve cooking? All right. Uh, my wife and I gravitate frequently towards Blue Bloods. And you can't diss me because I just heard Terry recommend Unforgettable. Oh my God, you've heard of Unforgettable. I've Isn't heard of Unforgettable, ice? yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. But I've heard of it, and it looks terrible. So it's, it's exactly the sort of show that'll be the out. The good right thing up about Blue Bloods, amazing, you would love it. The good thing about Blue Bloods, if you do gravitate towards it, it's on every fucking minute of yeah, the day really on Sky is. Atlantic. There's like 170 episodes yeah. of the fucking, thing. and it's always yeah. on. But the thing about Blue Bloods, and I watched the first mm. season of this, it started with this big conspiracy, like there was a secret organisation within the police, and someone had been murdered, and then they realised no stopped. one gave a shit, yeah, that's and gone. they just threw that away in the first season, and since then it's just been just like nonsense of the week so we said what Blue Bloods is for people who haven't seen it shall it's, I, shall it's the Reagan family that? having dinner it's essentially that it's a, it's a family cop drama So, but the family <laughs> in this case are the Reagans uh, who are a multi-generational group of cops in New York City so you have the worst character in the history of television Henry Reagan played by Len Cariou, uh who is Who's the patriarch of the family he mm. was in Bumblebee he's a very good actor but he's just saddled with the worst most inconsequential character 
in the history of TV there's a moment in season 2 or season 3 where he has a brush with death and sadly they didn't follow through with that and he's still knocking around he's only 6 years older than the guy who plays his son Tom Selleck did you know that anyway so he was the former police commissioner of New York City his son Frank played by Tom Selleck looks amazing no hair dye involved it's all natural Uh, he is the commissioner of the New York Police Department his eldest son Danny played by Donnie Wahlberg uh, is a hard-bitten New York detective. His youngest son, Jamie, there's another son who died at the end of the first season. That's right. Um, the youngest son, Jamie, is a he's a New York flatfoot. And then the, the, the daughter, Erin, played by Bridget Moynihan, is the ADA, the it, New York Assistant District it's Attorney. No, it's, an it's an incredible, incredible. for such an unspeakably bland television show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, the bits. It's almost unwatchable. It's and they do always have dinner every fucking episode. <laughs> they every, do. Every, yeah. Every, yeah I hate that bit, but all the, all the stuff yeah. about the politics of the police force and the, uh, the, the inter-family politics is great. Mm. Then they get together like the Waltons at the end of each episode and they, yeah. they basically talk about what they've learned and that bit's terrible, but if you turn off five minutes before the end, it's a really solid police procedural. This is fun. I've enjoyed being on this podcast. Thank I mean, you for inviting well, me. I mean, we'll cut all this out. But. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it goes without saying I'm cutting yeah. this. Um, yes, yes. Well, thank you very much for that, Chris. And, 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 and no, no cooking involved apart from obviously the watching of the consumption of the food. Now, is there like a sort yeah. of a blue bloods, the professional, the professional, where you just celebrity yeah. blue? Bloods. So you stay with, you stay with. Their, Me and Perry are just going to take our headphones off and leave, yeah. and leave you two yeah. to it. So they're in the blue bloods kitchen and they show the preparation of the Reagan meal. Is this the thing that happens? I think you just described my perfect Christmas porn. <laughs> Anyway, I've ruined your podcast, right. so thank you very much. And on thank that you. note, that is it for our Christmas Eve Pilot TV podcast, uh, with just a few hours until Father Christmas comes by to bring you a bounty of box sets, hopefully including some of the things we've actually discussed today, uh, including Blue Bloods. Uh, all that remains for us to wish you the happiest of Christmases, uh, or the secular holiday nomenclature of your choice, and to remind you that we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pilot TV Mag, and to let you know that all we want for Christmas is for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And that is it. We'll just sign off with a great big happy Christmas from Terry and Boyd. Happy Christmas and happy birthday. A festive message from Chris Hewitt. Bangly bang on the Empire <laughs> podcast this week. I we didn't joined- get to say anything. Can I just point that out? <laughs> no, sorry. I spoke on behalf of both of us. Sorry. And then Chris started to do an Empire podcast. Sorry, I just it's a natural life. thing. Well, welcome to my, my professional life. life in about 15 seconds. Terry, Terry, would you like to give a special Christmas message? Go on. Fuck off. <laughs> That's a, a festive fuck off from Terry. A very Yuletide greeting from me. God bless us, everyone. Pilot out.